Well, hello, Valley Christian Church. It is great to be here with all of you wonderful people today. My name is Stephen Francis, campus pastor for the Poughkeepsie campus. Shout out to all of those lovely people there at the Poughkeepsie campus. And shout out to all of our people watching online. If you're online right now, feel free to just type in where you're watching from, who you're watching with. We always love to say hello back and thank you for joining us. But I am here giving you guys another week of our series, Selfless, New Year, Less Me. New Year, Less Me. And here's the whole point of this series. We know that many of you guys have priorities, you have goals, you have New Year's resolutions, and we want to help you do that from the best biblical perspective. We want you to be your best godly self here in 2019. That is something we want to do for you through God's word. Here's the thing about this. As I was preparing for this message and I was kind of thinking about uh, some of the resolutions that we make, some of the goals and the objectives that we have when we go into the new year, majority of the things that we do, the goals that we have, the aspirations that we're seeking for come from a pressure that we are dealing with from the year before. So real quick, I just want to know by show of hands, so I know I'm talking to the right people, who here would say right now they have some type of pressure in their life? Anybody in this room, anybody watching online, anybody in Poughkeepsie, most of us, if not all of us, have some type of pressure. You may be somebody in here with financial pressure. You got loans, you got a mortgage, you got some level of things that need to get paid off and you don't know, you're not sure if you have the right amount of money coming in to pay those things off. Many of you are dealing with family pressure. Maybe you're currently living at home and your parents are driving you nuts. Guess what? Your parents are also believing that you are driving them nuts. So it is a very difficult situation for everybody. Maybe you have family pressure or even people pressure. People have some type of expectation on you uh, that they are hoping for you to fulfill. And that brings pressure onto your life. Maybe you're even dealing with purpose pressure or complexity pressure. What is it that you want to do with your life? What, what career choice are you really trying to lean into? And this is the year where you need to make some really important decisions with those things. All of us are dealing with pressures. So here's the thing, if we're all dealing with pressures, I wanna ask you another question because it goes in parallel with our pressures. And that is this, and if you're following along with your notes, I want you to write this down also. What is your when and then? What is your when and then? See, this is what I mean when I say when and then. Many of you guys have experienced pressure in your lives and you've created some type of situ situation or scenario where you believe that those things will be relieved. For instance, man, when I get out of my parents' house, then I am going to have a blast. I'm going to be able to do whatever I want, eat whatever I want, do the dishes whenever I want. I can't wait for that day when I get that. Man, when I finally get that job or that promotion, then I'll be able to live a little bit closer to Easy Street. Life is going to be a lot more comfortable for me. I'm going to enjoy it. Man, when I finally figure out what I'm going to do with my life, what my career choice is, life is going to go so much more smoother. I'm going to be more focused. I'm going to be able to achieve more with my life. My life is going to be way more significant. We have our when and thens. We create them for every situation, sometimes even outside of pressures. But here's the thing about that that I've also noticed is that many times, even though we have our win and thens, and many times we even achieve those things, 
pressure still doesn't go away. In fact, the pressure doesn't really leave. It more just changes its form. It changes its name. See, back in college, I was, or even seminary rather, I was studying Greek and Hebrew and doing all of these difficult papers and dissertations on uh, things like Melchizedek and all these Old Testament things, things that none of you guys care about, but I still needed to do this in order for me to be successful in the ministry field and the theological field. But then also, not only am I dealing with that, but then there was this girl, Jasmine, who I thought liked me, but I wasn't really sure, and I kept texting her, and she would take two hours to text me back, and I was like, what does any of this mean? Does anybody here have dating pressure in here? Because the struggle is real. Uh, my heart is with you guys if you're dealing with dating pressure. And I kept saying to myself, man, when I finally get out of college or when I finally get out of seminary, and man, when I finally get this girl Jasmine to realize that I am the greatest man alive and she finally decides to date me and maybe even marry me, my life will go so much smoother. But here's the thing about that. I'm outside of college now, and I married the girl of my dreams, but now I got a mortgage. Now I got other things and responsibilities as a pastor that are a, light, that are a lot more risky, that are a lot more life-threatening for those people that are coming to me for counsel and, and, and spiritual advisement. And the same girl who I really liked has now liked me so much that she's about to have her first kid, and I have no idea how to raise a child. So now my pressure is completely changed. It hasn't gone away. And many of you guys resonate with those feelings. And here's the other thing I think many of us resonate with. Because many of us, knowing that we have pressures and we've created our when and thens for when things will be easier in our lives, we'll come to a service like this and we'll hear from a pastor say, listen, God wants you to have a great life. God has a plan and a calling for your life. And I tell you what, these are the steps by which you do it. And many times we hear it and we say, man, that sounds great. Man, that, that's something that I truly want for my life. Here's the thing. I'm under a lot of pressure right now. So when my pressure is lower, when my schedule clears up a little bit, then I will do what it is that I believe God is calling me to do. I want to ask you guys an important question today. Is there anything that God wants to do in your life that you're too busy for? Is there anything God is trying to change in your life? God is trying to move you to a different place, to a better place, to a higher place. But when you hear it, you say, God, that sounds great. I just don't really have it in my schedule right now. I just don't really know if I could do that. But I promise you, God, when these things change in my life, then I'm going to be a lot more bold about my faith. Then I'm going to be more of a servant to the people around me. Then I'm going to be a lot more generous with my finances. When those things change, then I will do what it is that you've called me to do. Church, I don't know about you, but that kind of scares me a little bit. It scares me to think that God is somewhere in heaven and he's saying to himself, man, I really want to accomplish great things in Stephen's life. I got a big plans for him. I just don't really know if he has the time right now. Maybe if he could ask somebody else to do some of this stuff, then he can do it. Maybe, you know, if, it, if he had better uh, time availability, he could do it. So I'm just not going to ask him. I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to give this blessing to somebody else. I'm just going to call somebody else to something more and something higher because Stephen would do it. He's just too busy for me. I don't want that to be my life. And church, I don't want that to be yours. 
So I want to encourage you with whatever pressure that you're dealing with right now. I want to tell you this, this, this time together. I want to let you know that God has purpose in your pressure. That whatever it is that you're dealing with, that whatever it is that you're struggling with, I want to let you know that even in the midst of those moments, that even in the midst of those times, God still has a plan and a purpose in the midst of your pressures. I know this because scripture says so. Colossians 3 verse 17 commands us to do this. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I looked in the original language for this word, whatever. And what's so interesting in the original Greek, the word whatever actually means just whatever. That's it. Whatever. So everything from you doing the laundry, everything from you just taking the kids to school should bring just as much glory to Jesus' name as when you accomplish big things and you have big things occur at your job or in your community. Whatever it is that you do, do it to the glory of God. But not only that, Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you're not a Christian in here, if you're someone that doesn't really believe in this Jesus stuff, you're off the hook. This doesn't apply to you. But if you are someone in here, if you are somebody watching online or watching at the Poughkeepsie campus, I want to let you know this, that everything in your life, the boring things, the happy things, the things that bring you stress and pressure, all of these things are working to the good of those that love him. It's working for your good and who are called according to God's purpose. You are called according to God's purpose. This is talking about you. So we know that God is trying to do great things in our lives, and that's why we should be continually doing things for his glory, for his name, because we know there is a plan with what it is that he's put in front of us. I want to encourage you today with just a few things, that there is purpose in your pressure, that there is a prize in your process, and that you can be grateful in the midst of your grind. God has a plan and a purpose for all of it. So it should be our duty to be sure that we are giving God glory in all that we do. Now, here's the thing about that. Many times this you hear a verse like this from a pastor. You read this in your own time. And there's kind of like this question of like, so you mean do everything like brush my teeth, like get the mail? Like, I don't even understand. Like, how how deep does this go? I think when we hear do everything to the glory of God, simply what it's trying to say is that we need to be doing whatever it is that is in front of us well. Because when we do well, we make much of his name. But also, we need to be doing things with the mindfulness of blessing other people. Everything we do needs to have the mindset of both being well, of making much of God's name through what we do, but also being mindful of how what we are doing can bless somebody else. That is what God does, and that's what God calls us to do. So we see this in the life of Jesus especially. Jesus, in his time of ministry, uh, performed great miracles, and he did great teachings. But the ultimate purpose of Jesus coming to earth was to be the sufficient sacrifice for our sins so that we may be able to have a restored relationship with God the Father. Jesus knows this, and 
a particular situation happens in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus, after he's done some incredible stuff, healed some people, taught some great teachings, showed the Pharisees what was what, tells his disciples like, hey, listen, I know you guys are enjoying this, but I'm going to have to die soon and I'm going to die for your sins. But don't worry, I'm going to be raised again on the third day. And Peter, one of uh, Jesus's closest disciples goes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you don't got to worry about this, man. You got to do this. I forbid this. Like, we're not going to let this happen to you. You're not going to die. Here's the thing about Peter as well. Peter, along with many of the disciples and many of the people of that day, actually believed that, yeah, Jesus was the Messiah, but he was the Messiah from the perspective that he would be the person that would save Israel from Roman captivity. They were under Roman rule and they thought Jesus would be the person that would overthrow the Roman rule and make Israel the top empire. So Peter goes to Jesus saying, Jesus, you don't have to die. We, we, we got plans here. We got big plans. We need, to, we need to focus here, Jesus. You can't be worrying about dying. We need you to live if we're going to take over the throne. But Jesus says this to Peter in Matthew 16, var, starting at verse 23. He says, Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Hands down, one of the most awkward conversations that ever had to happen. Like if I'm picturing this was happening over dinner, Jesus says this to Peter and everybody just kind of stops eating and just like awkwardly looking around. It's like, he just called Peter Satan. I'm so confused right now. But he goes on. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let's go back to verse 23 real quick because I want to make mention of this. The reason why Jesus has this specific reaction here in verse 23 is because he had the same reaction in a different situation in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was in the wilderness fasting but also being tempted by Satan himself. And Satan gives Jesus this temptation. He says, listen, Jesus, I am the tempter of the world. I am the reason why many people do a lot of the horrible, bad things that they do. And I tell you what, if you bow down to me right now, I will completely stop my temptations. I will let you have all of this. All you have to do is bow down to me. It was the temptation that would end all temptations. And Jesus, realizing that he had the option to either do it God's way or do it the fast way, decided to say no. And he said, get behind me, Satan. And he said it aggressively, which, by the way, quick side note, many of us should learn how to say no to our temptations aggressively. Many times we say it no to our temptations a little bit too flirtatiously, only for us to end up falling into those traps. Maybe if we were a little bit more aggressive with our fight against certain sins, we might be able to see more results like Christ did in his day. But that's another sermon. I'm moving on. Going back now, Jesus says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Jesus is saying something very specific here that I want us to take hold of. Because all of us in this room have pressures. We already know that. All of us in this room are hoping that one day those pressures would alleviate themselves once we achieve certain things. And many times the more pressure that's on our lives, the more we turn more into ourselves. We 
become more self-ambitious. We become more selfish with our time because we turn into people that are like, listen, I'm just trying to survive this. I'm just trying to get this done. There's nothing I can really do for anybody else because I'm looking out for me. I'm about me. And Jesus is saying, woe to the people that do that. If you really want to be someone that follows after me, you can't just look out for yourself. You can't just be someone that's trying to do the best for yourself, but you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow his example. Follow Jesus. And he says this, which is a big deal. What does it profit someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Another way you can say this is what does it, what does it profit someone to accomplish everything in life that they hope to accomplish only for them to forfeit what it is that God had planned for them? What does it cost you to achieve all of those things under the pressure that you're doing? just for you to miss out on the life that God wanted to give you, even in the midst of those pressures. I believe that God has a great plan for each and every one of us. And yes, it's difficult because we're dealing with pressures in our lives, external pressures, internal pressures, but still God has a plan for us. At the same time, while God has a plan for us, there are other things that cause us to not pursue his purpose in the midst of our pressure. Instead, we end up falling into different things. So I have here with us today the enemies of giving glory to God, the things that get in our way when we're under pressure that cause us to not give God the glory in how we behave and how we look out for others. The first thing is the call of comfort, the cause of comfort. Many of us, when we're dealing with inescapable pressure, will find comforts that help alleviate us. And these are natural things. These are not bad things. I know for me, my comfort food is pizza. It's Chinese food. It's my mother-in-law's mac and cheese. If I'm ever in a bad mood, I will most likely be eating one of those things. Many other people, though, can sometimes have comforts that they lean into so much that it causes for that to be the source of their strength, that causes for that to be the source of all their comfort, that they no longer go to God for those things. And often the more times we lean into comforts that don't come from Jesus, we will, all, we will many times become addicted to those things and we'll use them in ways that they're not meant to be used. And sometimes it'll even take us to places that aren't necessarily where God wants us to be. Too many people have found comfort in the use of substances. Too many people have found comforts with things online that they watch in private that they wouldn't want anyone else to know. But all of those things many times are dealing with the pain or the pressures that are coming from our lives. But I wanna let you know that even if you're dealing with issues, I wanna let you know that God has comfort for you and that comfort is actually a powerful thing. It says this in 2 Corinthians 1 starting at verse three, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that, when we, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. If you're dealing with pressures and pain in your life today, I want to let you know whatever category those things fit in, there is a God that is willing to comfort you. 
He's going to comfort you in his time. He's going to comfort you in his way. But that comfort will far exceed anything that you could ever achieve on your own, especially those things that you might do in the dark. God is willing to comfort you, and not only is that comfort so good, but that comfort's so good that you will be able to bless other people with that comfort as well in due time. That's the power of God's comfort. But there's also other things that can derail us when it comes to how we are to pursue God and giving him glory. The second thing that we see is the derailing of distractions, the derailment of distractions. We are in the most distracted age in human history. Let's be honest right now. How many of you were trying to read your Bible on your phone or maybe watch a sermon and then you got a notification from a social media app or a text message from somebody and you completely got distracted, didn't even go back to the message, didn't even go back to God's word? Anybody in here? I know that's happened to me. Me and my wife had had times when we were trying to have a conversation while watching something on Netflix and also playing on our phones. We are in an age of distractions like none other in our age. And the more distracted we are, the less focused we can be on what it is that God has for us. God's calling us to love one another, but we're too busy with our Netflix shows. God's calling us to love one another, but we're too busy because we have this thing at at work, and then we're going to go meet up with some friends here, and then we're going to go do this specific activity, which is great. And I'm not saying that any of these things are bad, but not put in the proper place can be distractions that derail us from the God that is trying to give us more and do more in our lives. But that's the second thing. The third thing that I think many times causes us to not achieve God's purpose, to not give him the glory with all that we do, is that we quit too quickly. We quit way too quickly. This affects me deeply more than the other two because I've talked to so many people that have said, listen, I've tried church. I've tried the Jesus thing. I've tried to live in a godly way, and it was too hard. I tried to read my Bible. I didn't get anything from it. I tried to serve, and I felt uh, that people weren't nice to me. Listen, I tried it. It didn't work. I moved on. The thing that I've realized too often is many people confuse quitting with a failure. I can try a certain diet. And I can say, listen, I don't think this diet works. I quit. But I've often seen many people have success in that diet. So it wasn't necessarily that the, the, the diet that I was trying to do was a failure. It was that I quit before it could work. Too many people say my marriage was a failure, but perhaps you quit before you can make the marriage work. I think many times we give up on God, we quit on God because we think God was God has failed us in some way. But in reality, you quit before God was able to accomplish what he is, the, what, what it is that he wanted to do in your life. You quit too soon. What would it look like if we said, you know what? I'm committed to this and I'm going to wait on the Lord because when I wait on the Lord, he will renew my strength. He will give me what it is that I need to work on. But too many times we try, too many times we, we put in an effort. And if we don't get immediate 
immediate results, we end up quitting and moving on to something else. Galatians 6 verse 9 says this. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. God has plans for each and every person in here. I know it because he said it and he does not lie. And we have pressures in our life, yes, and the pressures can feel like that they are going to crush us. But at the same time, what would it look like if we said, even under this pressure, still will I look to bless others? Still will I look to do things well to the glory of his name? And yes, it's not easy right now, but I know that God will give back whatever it is that I sowed in. I believe God wants that for each and every person here today. So with that said, I want to just share some things that can help us be sure that we live more selfless lives by giving God glory in all that we do and looking out more for other people. First thing is that we don't expect easy. Simple as that. Don't expect it to be easy. I think oftentimes we believe that God and the Bible is just some type of fairy tale that it's some type of romantic movie, it's some type of sitcom where, yeah, things don't work out all the time, but at the same time, everything's going to work out for my good and it's all going to wrap up in about 30 minutes with a nice little bow on it and I'm going to be able to live on easy street. I want to make something very clear with you. The Bible never promises that. God never promises that. God promises you that life is hard. Life is difficult. But do not fear because he is with you every step of the way. You will deal with hardships. You will deal with disappointments. You will deal with all variations of difficulty. But our God, who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is on your side in the midst of it. And it is better to trust in him in the midst of those situations than to try to do things on our own. But what makes that very easy for us to get derailed by is if we don't expect the difficulty that's coming our way. The second thing that we need to do, and I want to read this right here, is that we need to make room in our routines. Make room in our routines. Uh, I'm somebody, like all of you, where I believe my life is very busy. I believe God has a lot of things that he wants to do in my life. Uh, but at the same time, I also have to pay the bills. And I need to do what I got to do to stay in shape because I don't want to get overweight. And uh, I got a lot of things that I'm trying to accomplish here. All of us, whatever is in your schedule, still has 168 weeks. Excuse me, 168 hours in our week. 168 weeks. I don't know. 168 hours in all of our weeks. The question is, what are we doing with that time? And I'll be the first one to admit, church, I've had times where I said, man, I really want to draw closer to Jesus. I just don't really have the time to really read my Bible and stuff like that right now. Hey, by the way, uh, I binged everything on Netflix and Hulu. Do you have any show recommendations that I can watch? 
We need to be sure that whatever our routines are, whatever it is that we do each and every day uh, as our way of getting things done or as even our, as our way of relaxation, that we also fit in time to be sure that God is our priority. Now, I have some things that I do and I want to share it with you guys, but I want to say these are my things. This is what God has convicted me about. And I decided to make these changes and I want to share them with you. But you do not have to do these. Let God show you what it is that he wants to do in your life, in your routines. First thing is to just wake up earlier. Wake up earlier. A mentor of mine once told me this, and I don't know why it always stuck with me. He says, rarely do people stay up late to do anything smart. Rarely do people wake up early to do anything stupid. So I said, all right, you got a point there. Instead of me staying up all night watching Netflix or playing video games, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to go to sleep a little early and I'm going to wake up even earlier so I can have time with God. So I can have time to worship, so I can have time to read his word. And I'll be honest with you, church, I do it in a little different method because I'm somebody, if I try to wake up right away and read my Bible, I would probably just go straight back to sleep. So I wake up, exercise a little bit, brush my teeth because you don't want to talk to God all with the stank breath. I'm just saying you want to talk to another person with stank breath. Why God got to get stank breath? But either way, I do what I got to do to uh, get my mouth all cleaned up. And then I, I have my time in prayer. And by that time, I'm, I'm well awake and also I'm ready for the day. Second thing that I like to do is that I like to read while I wait. I got convicted uh, not too long ago because many times I'll be standing in line, maybe at Chipotle or at the post office or something. And I would just be scrolling mindlessly on Instagram and mindlessly on Twitter. And I remember uh, thinking to myself, what if I instead of playing a game or, or doing something on social media, what if I read my Bible every time that I waited somewhere? What would my life look like if I, every time I waited, I read at least one verse in the moments while I waited? And that's been my habit from here on out. Just taking the time while I'm waiting in line, taking the time while I'm waiting at a grocery store, at the post office, the bank, wherever, and just using that time instead of just going mindlessly on my phone to actually get into God's word just a little bit more in my day. And the third thing that I like to do is I like to schedule prayer. Many times on Thursdays at about 1 p.m. or different times in the week, I have in my phone scheduled times both to pray for specific people, but then also to reach out to a person that I haven't heard from in a while, just to send them a text, see how they're doing, offer them prayer if they need. And that happens every week for me. And I've told people that before and they and they say, listen, isn't that a little mechanical? Shouldn't it come a little bit more authentically for you to spark up the interest of having a conversation? I'm not going to say that's not true, but I also know that I'm somebody where if I don't have that focus, if I don't have that discipline, I will default to doing nothing at all. So I have that schedule. I have that routine to remind me, man, that's right. I do need to be more about people. I do need to be somebody that's seeking the benefit of others, seeking to bless others more than just myself. So these are three things that I do to make room in my routines. But there's also something else that we can do, church. We can praise through the pressure. I believe The amount of praise that you give God in your life will directly affect the amount of pressure or your perspective towards your pressures in life also. 
I love taking moments to have worship in my own time. And sometimes that's me just finding a room where nobody's in, where maybe my wife isn't home. And I just have time just to give God some praise through a song, give God some praise through prayer, maybe both. And through that, it changes my perspective. It shows uh, how big my God is compared to my problems. That's something that easily any of us can do. And you don't have to make it a big deal. You can just have a minute of praise. You can just be like, God, thank you for my, thank you for the dying on the cross for me. Thank you for the home that I live in. Thank you for the family that I have. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for whatever it is. And Lord, thank you that you've given me this opportunity to even talk to you right now. Whatever it is, give God a time of praise in your day. And I promise it will change your perspective towards your pressures, towards the people that are even stressful in your life. You will approach them with a better mentality. But last thing we can do is give God the glory in the grind. Allow for God to get the glory even in the midst of our biggest hardships. Church, I want to remind you of this. It's very easy when we have pressures on our life to go into survival mode. But I want to encourage you with this today, that survival is not the same as success. That you figuring ways of surviving is not the same way as you thriving in life. And God is trying to make sure that whatever you are doing, whatever uh, situation you're in the midst of, that he will be the person that gives you the strength to thrive in all that you do, to rise above church, we need to be people that live according to these verses that I mentioned before, and I want to show them to you again. In Colossians 3, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whether life is easy, whether life has a lot of pressure on you, whatever it is you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Give glory to God. And again, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God wants us to live a life where everything we do gives glory to him, where everything we do is mindful of other people. And in so doing, he will work all things out for his glory and for your benefit. Because that's the type of God that we serve, where nothing in our lives can be wasted. Church, I want to remind you one last time that there is purpose in your pressure, that there is a prize in your process, and that you can be grateful in the grind. I'd love to pray with you right now. Can you bow your heads with me? And I want to pray this prayer for anybody in here that is feeling a little bit more pressure than usual. I want to pray this prayer for anybody in here that life is easy and life is good. For anybody in here right now that says, you know what, I could be doing more for God, but I just haven't fit those things into my schedule. Let this prayer today encourage you and empower you today in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you for this opportunity to be here today. And Lord, I believe that it is not a mistake for every person that is in this room with me right now, watching in Poughkeepsie or watching online somewhere in the world. 
Father, I pray, Lord, that in the midst of our pressure, Lord, that we continue to pursue you and pursue purpose in the midst of that pressure. That just because of the things that we have going on in our life does not mean, though, Jesus, that we cannot be effective in our ministry. That we cannot be effective in being bold in our faith and serving other people or even in being generous with the gifts that you have given us. Lord, we thank you for who it is you are, for the example that you made, where even in the midst of all that you did, you did what it took to die on the cross for us. And we believe that this is done in Jesus' name. And I'd like to pray our second prayer right now. Maybe you're somebody in here and you say, you know what? I do need to fit God on my schedule, but I've never received him as Lord. Scripture says this, that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it is with that, I want to pray this prayer. And if you want to receive Jesus today in your life, I want you to repeat these words after me. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I want to fit you in my schedule. I want to make purpose in my pressure through you. Thank you for dying for me. And I believe that we are going to have a great journey together. In Jesus' name. Amen.